everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Comics Experience Making Comics Podcast, where you make comics, making comics, make comics podcast, where I, Joey Grow, join him, Andy Schmidt, the show where we talk about the nuts and bolts of making comics. Uh, Andy, you have a, an interesting take, an interesting thought, an interesting breakdown of how you instruct and think about panel descriptions. And we have been talking before the show, uh, not just tales of of uh, comics past with some of your previous projects you've worked on. That's not suitable for air. Uh, but we've been talking about... <laughs> we did that too. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we were talking off mic, uh, or off, we were not recording, and we were talking about how you arrived at thinking about panel descriptions as a panel action and refer to it as panel action. And, you know, from the start, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And you, you made your case that you, you need to think about the action that is happening in a panel when you're communicating that with the rest of the creative team versus just describing the panel. And I, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, on the other end, though, I've always only heard it as panel description. And you're describing the panel, which could have an action, which could be, you know, just a static shot of shot. Yeah, yeah. static shot of a rock. That could be a panel description. So yeah, I'm I'm curious to hear your breakdown on this. So yeah, I mean I certainly panel description is the term that people in the industry use. That's that's been that way for a long time. But you know, since I've been teaching the classes, you know, one of the things that happens is I, you know, I've got a whole lecture really on how to write yeah. panel descriptions. And it dawned on me. And you know, one of the things I kept trying to impart to people is it's like you're not describing it it's not like it's not like you have a photograph that's next to you or in your brain right in this case usually and then you're typing out what that photograph looks like and where this item is positioned and then this is in focus but this isn't and these are the color like you you're not describing the static image Mm -hmm. that i was trying to get people to realize that a story which is what we're doing in comics, right? A story is active. And by active, I mean like things are happening. They're happening right now. And whenever something isn't happening, there better be a a darn good reason for it not to happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one of those is like an establishing shot. If If one scene ends and you're in the swamp and then the next scene begins and you're in New York City, having an establishing shot of the new, you know, distinctive New York skyline and nothing in particular is happening in that establishing shot. Okay. Like an establishing mm. cot shot is okay. Now things can happen in establishing shots. You could establish New York city and um, there's a giant gorilla crawling up the empire state building that could be happening in an establishing shot. Uh-huh. But <laughs> what I realize is if I, if I stopped referring to them as panel descriptions and I started talking about them as panel actions and, and, you know, even in just sort of discussing it with folks, it helped them get over that hurdle because once they started thinking of panel action, then it was just, I think it's just a trigger to remind you that something active has to be happening. So you're not describing usually, I mean, there's, there's an element of description. And as you pointed out, well, you can describe an action, right? But, but really what you want to do is just tell them what the action is. It's not necessarily a description. And mm-hmm. if I say, Joey runs across the street. I'm not really describing it. I'm just saying that's what happens. That's what he's doing. He's running across the street, but I'm not describing how many lanes that street is. Now you can, if that sort of information is important, you know, 
um, or if he's going to run into, you know, the, the abandoned warehouse, he's running across the street to an abandoned warehouse and blah, blah, blah. You know, if that stuff is germane to the story, but basically you want to give your artist the leeway to dramatize it um, the best way that they can. And the, and the artist will pick up context from, you know, from reading the whole script. So, um, so yeah, but if I switched it around where we talk about panel actions and, and, you know, what I instruct uh, people to do is the first sentence of your panel action is the primary action, the, the single most important thing that has to be communicated, which is typically the action that takes place in that panel. Whether that action is somebody punching somebody else or firing a rocket into space, or it can be something really small, right? I mean, it could be, you know, walking into a park, or it could be, you know, um, you know, this would be kind of lame, probably, but, you know, writing is, you know, signing a check or signing a contract, but uh, probably not a great idea for a comic doing that. But, um, but you get the idea, like something has to be happening because if, if, some, if there isn't something happening in the panel, right, then, then probably one, one of a couple of things is happening. The first that I look for is, is the action in the dialogue? In which case you're missing half of your storytelling capability if you're not like using the visual at all. Right. So even if you wind up having to go, OK, the visual, the, the, the visual action in the panel has to complement the dialogue or enforce the dialogue. then there's still an action you can you can do. You can you can call for. Mm -hmm. um, and then one of the other things is there's exposition that needs to happen, um, which is also usually dialogue. But that's that what that means is your story is paused. And anytime your story is paused you're you're likely gonna be boring people mm -hmm. and if you're boring people they're likely putting your book down mm -hmm. um you know my my old boss at marvel tom Brevoort, um used to say that that any panel is an opportunity for your your reader to get bored and put your comic down and never come back to it ever again <laughs> um i like i like to put a little bit more of a positive spin on it than tom did um which is you know every panel is an is an opportunity for you to engage your reader further right to bring them further into your story world i just prefer the positive spin on it um <laughs> but i'll tell you like as an assistant editor probably it was more effective to tell me the negative version because i was like oh okay like i gotta make sure like my job is to make sure we're not losing readers and like like i felt that you know i think as a, as a somebody teaching writers to have a more like this is how you engage and, and when things are happening when your story is active, when your characters are doing things in the now, like I even instruct to write the the um, to write the panel actions, you know, in in present tense and in active voice. Joey's running across the street into that warehouse. Not Joey will be running across the street into a warehouse, right? You know, there's there's that difference, and and that difference, you know, as an artist reading it. If it feels active, if, if it feels alive, it's going to translate into what that artist, you know, pencil and wrist does and, and their enthusiasm in it. So it's, I think it's super important, Yeah. even on just sort of like this basic level to think of them as actions, remind yourself something is happening visually in this panel. Right. <laughs> and there must be something visual happening and it must be driving the the story forward and one way to do that is to refer to them as panel action so i think it's you know i say it's a misnomer and it's not entirely 
you know, to your point, sometimes you are describing an establishing shot or you can essentially describe an action, right? But, um, but it's that central idea of what is happening in this panel. And if you've got three panels in a row where you're like, oh, nothing's really happening, then you need to look at those three panels and figure out why you want to put them in there and probably figure out why that you're not going to put them in there and that whatever it is you needed or thought you needed, you're going to have to find a different place for it mm. or a different way to, to get it into your story. But that is my, that's my case. That's my reasoning for it. Um, I do refer to them as panel actions now. I mean, I always, you know, when I'm teaching a class, I always let people know that the common term in the industry is panel description. But I think it's something we maybe should be at least having that conversation. Like, should we call it something else? They are panels. Like a panel sounds static to me, right? Yeah. So calling it a panel action almost sounds like a contradiction. Like saying it's static. It's a static action, mm-hmm. an action that doesn't move is what it sounds like to me. But that's right. not what it is. You know, it's a, you know, it's a rectangular, square shape, or, or borderless, you know, potentially, you know, thing. But there, but it, but something is happening in it. it oh. And you may not recall uh, a little bit earlier while you were talking, you talked about the writers overcoming hurdles, and I was curious to make sure I understood what you meant by hurdles that they're overcoming when when you're trying to get the point across of how to think about an action. Do you mean, is this some sort of analysis by paralysis of, I don't know what to put, there's too many options, or is it seeking clarity in storytelling, or is there something that you feel like you see folks get hung up on? Uh, yeah, they get they get hung up on what the mental picture is in their head. And you're not you're not trying to tell an artist how to do their job. The artist knows how to draw. They should anyway, right? And then knows how to draw action. All you need to communicate to your artist is what it, the story is. And the story is not a collection of still images that you have in your head. One of the, one of the coolest things about comics, but can also be really jarring for people is they write a script and they get the art back when it's drawn by someone else and they have this knee-jerk reaction of this is all wrong and and often it is not wrong it's just not the way you envisioned it right. and it may be better and probably the way that you envisioned it in your head wouldn't have worked very well mm-hmm. you think it you think it did because very few people will write a page with five six panels on it and They'll have, they, you know, the way we tend to think is like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what this image looks like. And then this is what this image looks like. But understanding and having a mental image of each panel individually is a completely different thing than having them all work together on a page. So you have to be, your artist has to work with all of the panels at the same time and figure out what is the best way for this page as a whole to work. So you might have very clear ideas of what this panel would look like. Oh, that'd be awesome. This would be awesome. But if you were to actually try and put that on a page together, you might wind up with a page that's a page and a half tall because you, you're the way you shaped your panels and you thought these ones need to be really big. Like they won't actually, the pages don't work or more often than that even is that it's not going to lead the eye properly from one panel to the next, to the next tier, to the next panel, to the next panel, to the, to the bottom tier, right? It won't, that it won't work that way. So there's a lot of compositional sort of graphic designing sort of elements that go into telling a story. So what you want to tell the artist is this is what happens 
And that's what the reader needs to know. The reader needs to go, oh, Joey's running across the street. Now, is that a front view of Joey? And we can see that he's hopped off the curb and he's running right at us. I like using you as a as an example because I, it feels awkward. I did run a lot today. Um, well, there you go. Uh, you know, or is it a side view? And we can see the whole street and the center line is, is going off into the distance and he's crossing the street. Or is it from behind him? Or is it top view looking down? There might be really good reasons that an artist might choose, you know, any of those or a different or a different sort of angle to quote unquote shoot it from. But at the end of the day, it's really going to be up to the artist. And the artist may go, well, I want to lead the eye. I'm not going to use up the entire width of the page on on this panel. So it'll be maybe half of the page width. So I want to make sure that action is going left to right because that'll lead the the eye of the reader into the panel right next to it, which will be the next panel. And then that panel will be designed to lead your eye back to the left and down to the next tier. But that could that can have all kinds of effects. You know, or a different artist might make a choice where, yeah, I'm gonna make this the entire page width, but it's not gonna be very tall. Therefore I'm gonna shoot it this way. Again, shoot in quotes. Right. Um, and then that would be that would be different. I have different requirements. And so until you're actually on there doing the page layouts and kind of figuring that stuff out, you, you know, what's in your head may not, is unlikely to work. There are very few writers that are really, really good at understanding how a page is going to work and flow and are really good at communicating it. There are some, like in my, in my days, editing tons and tons of comics, both at Marvel and at IDW and freelance since then too. Um, you know, I've, I've, read a lot of scripts where I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. Like this will work like as written. Now most artists, uh, most writers like don't like draw the layouts or anything, mm, but sure. like you can just tell when you're reading the script, especially after you've read a few thousand, um, <laughs> you can tell when the writer gets, gets it and knows that this is going to work from a design point and, and isn't causing really difficult problems to solve. Um, which is good because if you have a really difficult problem to solve, it's, um, it can be difficult um, to make that page look good. You might be able to solve the problem, but it might be difficult to make the page look uh, really good. Um, whereas if it feels more natural, then, then you know, more of the artist's brain power is going towards making it dynamic than trying to figure out how to tell the story. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Well, when you, as creator-owned Andy, not editing for anybody else but yourself and even you know, not a publisher hat on when you take what you've learned and you've experienced, no pun intended, uh, and kind of put it all together in, okay, I'm writing a script. It, it's probably something I don't know that you think about your process that much. Have Has your approach evolved? Is it something where for you now it's a muscle built in or do you actually do quick breakdowns to think about your panel flow or do you go back with your second draft and, you know, really try to think through all the, all the information that you've gained over time about everything you just said, or is it just more, ah, it's just kind of naturally built in. I don't really think about it now because it's so reflexive since I've done it so many times. It's not even necessarily, you know, a creative muscle in that sense, but it's the structural foundational muscle that you built. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I would say that that in large part it's just part of my natural process now, and I don't think about it sure. too too much. But my my personal process, which is not something that that like I can really share in a way that's that's super uh, helpful to you, but like 
Yeah. So I'm, well, so let's say I've got a scene, right? I'm going to, I'm going to take that scene and that scene will probably be like, a, just like a prose paragraph. Like this is what the scene, this is what happens in the scene, right? This is where it starts. This is how it changes. This is how it ends, right? Or where it changes. This is how it ends or how it changes. So I'll have that the bare bones, but it's probably going to be something really short because all I need to know going into writing the scene is basically what happens to these characters. I can figure out where it takes place. I can figure out even a plot element that goes with it right. later. I just need to know kind of what's happening with our characters. There's a major plot twist. Yes, I need to, that needs to be worked out in advance. And then let's say it's a three-page scene. Then I then I take that paragraph and I flesh that out to you know page one, page two, page three because I want to control my page turns. Mm-hmm. You know, I want I want those to have some sort of dramatic effect or compel you to that. So then I'm like, okay, so the scene is now broken into. And it may not be exactly thirds, right? I mean, the last page of it could be a splash page because oh, Magneto just showed up right or whatever mm-hmm. um so i break it out into into where the the page turns make the most sense and then then i break it into panels and when i break it into panels it's usually it may not even be a full sentence because i'm i'm usually cranking along at that point and it's but it's always an action that's it i don't put anything else it's just an action and i, I don't do any of the dialogue yet usually and if there's a specific line of dialogue like i know it's going to turn on this line of dialogue like i'll i'll have that noted in there you know somewhere and then from there, once I have an action, the action of each panel, and I'm sure that they are actions with the exception of, you know, establishing shot or something, uh-huh. um, you know, or like a reaction shot is an, is an, is an action because something is happening. They're reacting. That is the action. The reaction is the action. Um, so like somebody gets, gets, you know, told they're going to have a baby and then you switch to the person who just gets told that. And they're like, oh, awesome, right? Like that reaction is the action. So, um, and then I flesh that out so that it's in English that my artist can understand because usually it's in like sort of chicken scratch for me. So I flesh that out. And then that's the first potentially only sentence in my panel action. Because if we've already established the environment, let's say there's two people, um, let's say it's a guy and a girl and the girl is telling the guy that that she's going to have his baby, right? Well, in the establishing shot, we've already, he's already, the artist has already like built the room, right? Maybe it's it. Maybe, maybe she's telling, uh, telling him in a room that is now set up for a baby, right? So there's a crib and whatever else. In it. So we've established that for the artist. Then all I have to say is, you know, Andy reacts to being told that it's, and he's thrilled and he's thrilled, you know, at, at finding out he's going to become a dad. Like that's the, that's your action. I don't have to write anything else than that. The artist, the artist can figure out how to depict like, you know, a character being surprised and super excited. That's great. That can be, that can be an action. Or, you know, if we want to play it up more, make it even more active, Andy jumps and like gives, gives, uh, you know, gives the person a hug. Um, that's fine. This is actually, I don't, you know, I don't think you need to, I think you're going to need a whole lot more in that case. In other cases you do, like you might be, setting something up like you might say so-and-so gets punched in the face but when they you know as they're recoiling from being hit hey make sure that like their jacket is kind of opened up a little bit so that we can see that they've actually got a holster gone on their side because we're going to need that in a minute so we want to establish that it's there remind the reader that right this character carries a pistol so you you can get into having sort of secondary things but each panel has one action one action only it's really important um 
you know, and I think if you get one of the hurdles that you talk, you were talking about, you know, one of the hurdles that writers, especially newer writers have is that they over describe and it becomes really, or they bury the lead. Like a lot of times I'll get scripts that have a panel action that's got seven sentences in it. And it's like the fifth sentence. Once I've read it a few times, I'm like, oh, that's it. That's the one. That's the thing the reader needs. <laughs> the rest of this is all window dressing, but this one here, and you don't want your artist to have to work for that. <laughs> so that becomes, so you move that, make that your first sentence. And then usually you can, you can cut quite a bit of the rest, you know, and sometimes you add things in for color, like, oh, this is happening. And, and, um, you know, and, you know, if we can, you know, I, I do a lot of the, like, if you can manage to throw this in great, if not, no big deal. Right. Um, you know, things like that. I, I tend to throw those things in because I don't want to, I don't want to over dictate. Right. I'm working with creators that I want them to create. Like I want them to bring, I want them to bring their skills to the table. Um, and I don't want to cut them off. Right. If, if I'm hiring artists and I'm telling them what to do, we're never going to get a project that's better than what I could do. And my hope is always that the project is better than what I can do. That right. the ideal project is the script is, is awesome because I wrote it, <laughs> right? But it gets more awesome once it's drawn. And then it's even better when it's inked because now there's life and there's, there's extra depth. And wow, look at, the way, look at the way she shaded that. That's awesome. Like that really brings this thing to life. And then again, with colors, like, oh, I never would have thought of that palette I was reading Past the Last Mountain, which comes out tomorrow as we're recording this. So, which means it should be out in your comic book shop. Go buy it because it's awesome. For four, four issues, four issues, four issues. issues. Issue, issue one. They're forty-eight pages each. They're perfect bound. They're prestige format. They're really, really awesome. Really great book by uh, Paul Aller, Louis Joyce, and Gannon Beck. The reason I was bringing that up was not to plug it, though I'm glad I did, um, but because Louis. Um, Louis also will do colors, uh, coloring. I mean, he colored that book and, and the choices that he makes as a colorist are choices I would never make. And they're gorgeous and they're, they're perfect choices, but they're just not what would come to my mind. And they're great. And I would love to have Louis coloring any book that I'm writing because it's going to come back and it's going to look better than I ever imagined. Because I don't, I don't think the way he thinks. And that's, that's one of the things, you know, one, one of the sort of the magical things about comics is that collaborative process. So you want to make sure as a writer or as an artist, you're not over prescribing to the next, to the next person who's going to have their hands on it because you want them to bring their powers to bear on it. Um, and it's very, very easy as a writer to be like, I don't even, I'm not even sure who's going to be drawing and coloring this. So I'll just do it all. And that way, no matter who it is, they can't screw it up, except that's going to screw it up. Does that make sense? It does. I think that I'm just trying to think through. And every everyone collectively was like, "Oh, I don't know about that," <laughs> because we don't trust each other. Well, I think it's hard, especially getting into relationships with comics, because they just by the nature of if you're doing a miniseries, it might not last long. It's it's not the age of long term collaborations. I think unless you're established or unless you can get uh you know quote unquote ongoing or something that seems to be a middle or or higher end kind of hit to keep everybody together to keep doing the well, same but you'll but you'll see a lot of people work together multiple times especially once you get into like sort of the 
like the, the, the larger publishers, like, you know, an artist may really like working with an anchor. So they're, they work together all the time. I mean, it's almost gotten to the point where if you want to be an anchor in comics, you just have to find pencilers that love you. Right. Because usually, or I don't know if it's usually, I, I haven't done a true survey, but very, very often it's, Hey, so-and-so do you want to be the penciler on this book yes and uh my anchor so-and-so too would love to ink it you're like okay like that's how that works right um same thing with with color artists and um you know i've known creators you know with exclusive contracts that have in their contract that they get color artist approval right it doesn't mean they always get the person they want because if it's way out of the budget then it's way out of the budget or if that person doesn't have time to do it then you still have to find somebody but they have they have approval rights they can say no not that person um you know so you know when you have those things a lot of a lot of teams will 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 continue to work together maybe project to project to project rather than one long run on a mm-hmm. book but it happens a lot. Like Andrea DeVito and I are working on a project right now and we've been working on projects for off and on, but for 15 years now. And so like we, you know, I write differently for him than I do for other people because I know what he can do. Yeah. I know where he excels and I know, you know, I know when I can help him out by describing something a little bit more, adding a little bit more color to it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I do in my scripts too is I'll write, I'll write, uh, you know, notes to the artist like along the way, like, 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 look, I know you're going to hit this one out of the park. Like, this is your, this is going to be the page you're going to sell for the most. You know, when you're, <laughs> when you're selling your original art, you know, do this right and go make it, make another extra three hundred bucks on the, on the, on the. Uh, on the you know original art market do that kind of thing sometimes you know right, but right. but you know i'll have a note at the beginning of my script too that's like here's the tone like here's the overall thing of this issue this is what we want to make sure we're communicating and like things like that um i, I always I love those good at that dialogue yeah i always love those alan moore scripts that are just like one panel description is a, an entire five paragraphs where he's just talking about things a hundred percent the opposite of what i'm advocating for <laughs> Yes, but, but, it's, 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 but it's also, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's, it seems to be that, that he is having that conversation. And I, I've uh, obviously never drawn a comic for an Alan Moore script, but you know, generally the results seem pretty great. And it seems like the collaborators <laughs> like to work with him, which is not to say that that works for everybody. I think it works for Alan yeah. Moore because he's Alan Moore. And well, Alan Moore was also an artist before he was a writer. So Alan is one of the guys. I just, Say Alan because I know him so well. Um, so Alan Moore is one of the writers who can describe an image, and he can describe nine images that are all going to go on a single page. And they will, if you draw them the way he describes them, they nine times out of ten they're going to work as a whole page. He is clearly very good at visualizing the entire page, and it comes out that way. But more importantly than that, uh, than than noting that he is genius that way. Um, because very, very few writers, I think, are really capable of doing that. Certainly not to the level that sure. Alan Moore is able to do it. Sure. But there's one of the editions, one of the more recent editions. I remember seeing it for the first time in the Absolute edition. But I think it's in the tr- in the the newer trades of Watchmen now. They uh, they they published. I don't know if it's 
part of the first issue script. I think I don't I don't think they have the page count to publish the whole first issue script because they're super long. Yeah, yeah. But they're also published with Dave Gibbons notes mm. on them. And what you'll see is that Gibbons went in and did exactly what I was talking <laughs> about with a highlighter, which is he'll read a half a page of single space typed uh, typed uh, notes from from more, and then he'll go in with a highlighter and be like, "That's the one," and he'll highlight the central driving idea, and then he'll make other notes. He winds up incorporating it all, but you can see very clearly his process is what's the main idea? It's this right here, and then and then he'll underline other things and he'll make some notes of like, oh, "I'll tweak the camera angle slightly this way, whatever." But you can see that he goes through and he create and he he sort of does that job. Right. One of the things about Watchmen that, that, and I don't know that it gets overlooked that much anymore, but for a long time, it was always Alan Moore, Alan Moore, Alan Moore, Watchmen, Watchmen, Watchmen. Right. And I think more and more lately, people have realized just how much of Watchmen is Dave Gibbons. Sure. Like, I mean, it, it, like that book isn't that book with any other artist. Like Gibbons is absolutely phenomenal with that. And you can see that in his own work. Like he did a book, um, I mean, about ten years ago now, called like, the Originals that he wrote and illustrated himself. And the storytelling in that is absolutely phenomenal. It's amazing. Um, but that's what you—that's what you get when you, when you, when you have two <laughs> working on, working on a book. And, and I think, like well, I was going to say, I think it's probably on my mind because I've been revisiting top ten, uh, his collaboration with Gene Ha. With Gene Ha, yeah. And there's so much density to that uh, book that it's it's great if you like Gene Ha art. It's great if you like Alan Moore stories. It's great if you like Top 10 by Gene Ha and Alan Moore. Uh, but I, I'm curious, uh, and I haven't really done a dive to see if there's any, this is probably in an absolute edition, like you mentioned. I've just got you know the singles and I can get it on digital. Uh, but I'm really curious how their collaboration went because I don't want to spoil a, what, 20-year-old comic, but I think it's issue 10, is a comic that I think about probably the most out of any comic. And it has to do with a, a pivotal reveal that happens in that comic. And I went back and I, I just recently looked at how the panels broke down and something like this dramatic thing happens. There's a bunch of dramatic beats for it's a big cast in, in top 10. It's a police precinct, a sci-fi futuristic police precinct. And all these beats happen for all these characters including this major beat where I realized, oh, this character is represented in all these panels. He's present, but the time when his major beat happens, he is filling the frame. And we've had all of this action and all of this emotion leading to this moment where he says a thing, still off panel, and somebody says their thing off panel. I'm trying to be vague because I don't want to spoil this comic that I love if you haven't read it. Uh, and then he goes and he does the action. And it was like, oh, this buildup is there the entire time. But the first dozen times I read it, I don't think I really grasped from a structure standpoint what at least Gene Ha was doing. And maybe with Alan Moore, he's saying, like, don't show the character, but have this happen. So you, when you have this huge moment of impact, how much of the seeds have been planted over the course of the last couple of pages to build this moment that you have this massive reveal that's been a major mystery throughout the series? And it, everything that you're talking about and trusting your artist and, and your collaborators, I think rings so true for 
you know, whether it is Alan Moore having that dialogue and somebody having to go through with a highlighter, uh, in some ways that's almost, it's not an ideal relationship maybe for the artist, but to have that level of back and forth and interaction and feel collaborative with somebody, I think is, is, is that ideal that, that you would strive for with a comics creative team, even if you're, panel action or your panel description is only a sentence, you'd want to be able to say like, all right, Andy, next up, this is where you're going to rock it out. Or I know you can handle this emotion so well. This is the moment where he cries. You know, whatever it is to, to have that kind of right. dialogue and to have that kind of feeling really does feel like, okay, now we're all jamming together and we know how to make it work. Yeah. Alan Moore's scripts are challenging for, for artists. I, I, I know several artists that have worked with Alan Moore and what they have what they have all said is that they're they're difficult when you but like when you get them right you do have that sense of satisfaction of not just you drew a great page but like I solved an unsolvable puzzle <laughs> like they're they're a lot of work but they're worth the work to do it right because the stories are so good and the characters are so good and they're like and like Moore's scripts are usually like it's all it is there but it's a there's like a, a, a level of excavation work that goes on right, and so get there. look i'm not going to go and tell Alan Moore how to write his scripts but i think he could get a similar effect <laughs> if not the same effect while trimming those panel descriptions maybe, maybe, down quite a bit maybe it's part of his process but maybe not well, but I, you know here's the thing but like i would never say you know again like i wouldn't say to Alan Moore you're doing it wrong like it's working like it's working there's you're always going to find exceptions but i would say i would say this when you're starting out don't try to be alan moore try to communicate as clearly as possible to your artist once you get going and you really understand what the artist's role is and what your role is and how they work together and you start to have conversations with more artists and then you, then you want to try some you know trying to add a little bit more or whatever like do it, but test it. And then also, here's the thing with testing and trying your thing. Also, make sure you do the work to see if what you did actually worked. Was the artist cool with it? Did it help them out? Right, right. Did, did, it, did it affect the readership? A lot of times what we'll, we'll do as creative people is, oh, I want to try this experimental way of doing a thing. And then you do, and then we forget to actually check if it works. And then we then we'll be like, that was really fun to do it that way. I'm going to do that in all these other scripts, and it's not going to work in any of them either. Sometimes it does, in which case, yes, make that a tool you can use going forward. And, and that's that's part of the creative process. That's part of the discovery. I think that's a good note to end on because uh, I know we're running out of time, and uh, you got to get to my uh, Tom Strong book group reading next. So we'll, we'll continue our discussion. Yeah. Uh, you, you, Andy's got a meeting he's got to run to. I've got some things i got to run to. Apparently, it's going to storm outside my house, which you can't see right now and will be uh, in the past when you hear this. But all of a sudden, it's like all the lights turned off. So now I'm scared that the equipment will shut down when the power goes out. The, uh, the, the big picture, though, I think, is clarity. It's getting comfortable with your scripts to the point where you know how to write for artists to understand what you need them to understand to get to that next step of of taking the project where the project needs to go and you know like anything else it just comes with time i think uh having artists draw your work even if it's thumbnails can really help you early on uh, if you're uh, a starting writer beginning writer and similarly i still like to break down my pages uh, and my panel count just to try to understand if I'm packing too much in, if my actions are clear before even it goes to the artist, not that I'm going to dictate them like, hey, this is a real wide panel. 
but I want to I want to understand how the comic page could be constructed with what I built because it helps me think about all the plotting and all the details that go into putting it together. So lots to talk about uh, related to panels. We could probably do a, a panel on panels. We could do more panels. I'm actually proposing a panel on panels uh, coming up soon, but I do have to leave. And I would like to say if you're an aspiring writer or a fairly new writer, then I would highly recommend taking Comics Experience's Introduction to Writing Comics class, which starts on May 25th, Star Wars Day. Um, May, tw- and, uh, May 25th is Star Wars Day? Well, that's the day the original Star Wars came out. It's, now it's what it's... May the 4th? Yeah. May the, <laughs> May the 4th has become Star Wars Day. <laughs> that's what I was confused. <laughs> but May 25th is the day that the original Star Wars actually came out in theaters. May 25th, 1977. Gotcha. Um Deep cut, guys. Sorry. Deep cut, um, Schmidt. Unless unless you're 48 years old, in which case <laughs> you probably knew that. But um, it starts May 25th, and we cover this. We cover the stuff that we were talking about. We, we have these discussions, but we also cover dialogue. We cover how to break the story, how to make sure that your characters are engaging. We cover all of that stuff, and it's a really, really great foundation for you to uh, build upon to find your voice and and do all that stuff. And it is designed to allow your voice to come through. We're not making, we're not making Andy clones. No, absolutely not. That's, that's a great thing about anything's comics experience related that I've experienced is people, even in uh, critiques from your fellow folks who are trying to learn how to make comics, everybody's trying to get you to, to the best you version of you. It's never about, you got to do it this way outside of, you know, basic structural and fundamental things. And that's, that's really part of the fun is the uh, array of stories and storytellers that you can run into that you might not find otherwise. Uh, it's, it's one of the great things I think about comics and, and making comics. Until next time, you need to describe your panels and the actions within and go make some comics. <laughs>